we were doing a sound check. I love how the Holy Spirit works, how the team, the songs that they selected this week are just a proclamation, kind of like a preview of what we're going to dig deep into into God's Word today. And I love it when the Holy Spirit just puts it all together like that. Because we have already been declaring all that we're going to look at today, that nothing is impossible for God, that He is the God of miracles. Amen? Amen. We are ready for a miracle. That's what we've been talking about during the month of August. We're ready for a miracle. How many of you brought a need for a miracle with you this morning? How many of you got a situation in your life that's too big for you, that you can't handle it on yourself? It's going to take a miracle to pull it, to pull it off. Well, I want you to know if you're ready for a miracle this morning, we serve the God of the miraculous, and nothing is impossible for him. Our theme verse for this month is found in Proverbs 21, 31. It says, the horse is made ready for the day of the battle, but victory rests with the Lord. We know that God is fighting our battles with us. Victory rests with the Lord. Today, we're going to look specifically, you know, a lot of times when we think about miracles, um, when, we're, when we're thinking about miracles, what's the first thing that we kind of think of? We think about the miracle of healing, right? We, we read the stories of the, in the Gospels where Jesus healed so many people who were sick, or right now during this phase that we've been in this past year of COVID, you know, we're thinking, hey, there are people that are sick that need a touch from God. They need healing. And so many times we get this kind of misconception about healing. A lot of times in the Christian world, the teachings about healing, they kind of swing from one end of the pendulum to another. On one side of the pendulum, we have you know, the teaching that just says, you just name it and you claim it. You just say, hey, I, I'm claiming that healing. I will be healed. And, and that is saying that, that our word, something we are doing, is bringing forth the healing. And then often when the healing doesn't arrive or when things don't work out the way we thought they would, what do people say? Well, you must just not have had enough faith. You must not have said it right. You must not have, and then we become disillusioned, right? Because we're putting the healing in, in our own hands based on our words and what we say. And then we have the pendulum that goes to the other extreme. You know, there's actually a belief that, that people adhere to that says that, that once the final apostle died, um, the, the final New Testament apostle, once he died, there would be no more miracles. Now, does the Bible say that anywhere? No. And how many of you have ever seen or experienced a miracle? At all. Exactly. See, if, if even one miracle has happened in the last 2,000 years, then we know that God still does miracles, right? I know that my son is a miracle. He's a walking miracle. So I know that God still does miracles. We know that's true, right? But sometimes we experience some tension in this area because we believe that God can heal and we know that he's still the God of miracles. But then what happens when we have to bury the people that we prayed for their healing? What happens 
when, when things don't work out quite the way we want it to. Today, we're going to dig deep into what the Bible actually says about healing. And when we do that, I believe that it's going gonna, it's gonna to activate this extra level of faith in us this morning so that we can truly understand what the Bible says, what God wants us to understand about healing. One of the clearest passages of scripture that talks about healing is found in James chapter 5. And it says, is any among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now that little detail there, anoint them with oil, if you have never seen that happen, if you've never had your, um, the elders of the church lay hands on you, I want to clarify because a lot of times there's, there's a lot of people out there on TV, on YouTube, everywhere. <laughs> I just want to tell you there's nothing magical about that oil. That oil doesn't heal you. That oil is a symbol, just a representation of the power of God to heal you. Just like communion doesn't save us. Communion is just the representation of Jesus' body and blood that does save us. Just like baptism, water baptism is a symbol. The baptism, the act of being dunked in the water doesn't save us. But it proclaims the salvation work that Christ has done in us. Are you with me? Okay, so the oil is not what heals you, but it activates your faith. It's a, it's a visual representation of the power of God. So to call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Well, why did he all of a sudden bring up sin? I thought we were talking about healing here. Keep that in mind. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's that word again. Now, that word healed is different. In, in English, it's the same word, healed. But this time that it says healed is different than the first time it said healed in the previous verse. This word for healing is not just talking about a physical healing. It's talking about an internal healing, a deeper healing, that there's restoration, that there's something happening on the inside of you. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Can I see Ephraim say a big amen? The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. When we look at this passage of scripture, there are three observations that we can make that I think are going to help us truly understand healing. The first observation is that God still heals people. Amen? God still heals people. We've said it a few times already this morning. Miss Jackie has quoted it. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is still in the miracle working business. He still heals people. We've, we've seen it before. We've seen wounds that were barren suddenly become fruitful and babies were born. Hallelujah. We see blind eyes that have been opened and people can see. We've seen deaf ears become open so that people can hear. 
we've seen that God still heals people. But why is it that he doesn't heal every time you ask? Why is it? You know, if I was God, I'm thinking, okay, if I'm God and I can heal people, I'm going to Gasolini Children's Hospital in Genova and I'm clearing the whole place out. I'm healing every kid there, right? That, that's my thought process. But the book of Isaiah, this is not in your notes, but for you extra credit students that want to take extra notes, you can write this down. In Isaiah, I believe it's chapter 55, the Lord reminds us that his ways are not our ways, that our thoughts are not his thoughts. We have to, in order to understand healing, we're going to have to, to recognize that he's God and we're not. So even if it doesn't work out the way we think it should, we have to be okay with what he's doing. We have to trust him in the meantime. You know, we, um, we, we've done a series before at our church in Milan called Running with the Giants, where we look at all of these people of faith that are recorded in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, it lists all these great giants of the faith. We call it the hall of fame of faith. And it's talking about how by faith, Abraham did this. And by faith, this person did that. But often, we kind of overlook the end of that chapter. At the end of that chapter, it says, now all of these people lived faithfully. Right? They, they had faith. They were people of faith. They're not criticized for their lack of faith. They're actually praised for their faith. Yet, none of them received all that God had promised. None of them actually saw the, the outcome, the final result of what they had been promised. Yet they were praised for their faith. Why is that? The verse continues. It says they, none of them received that promise because God had something better in mind. Woo! God had something better in mind. So I want you to know God still heals people. He's able. He's willing. God still heals people. But the second observation we can make about this verse is God is more concerned about my soul. He's more concerned about my soul. See, we are often people that we're, we're thinking about the physical results. You know, we're, we're, we're focused on what's happening to us. Let me say it this way. We're concerned about what's happening to us. God is concerned about what's happening in us. He's more concerned about our soul. When, when the disciples would bring Jesus an earthly problem... In the book of John, they come to him and they're whining about something and they're like, man, this is this problem. And Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe in me. In my Father's house, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He doesn't even answer their question. He doesn't even address their concern. They bring him an earthly problem and what does he do? He puts their focus on heaven, right? Another time, let's look at it in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. 
The disciples are, are worried about, about themselves. They're worried about an earthly problem. And Jesus tells them, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body, but who can't kill your soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Then, you know, we put all of our efforts, we put so much energy into preserving our physical state. You know, we, we social distance, we clean our hands, we wear the mask, we, you know, and even before COVID, you know, we wipe down everything, we wipe down, you know, we, we, we stay away. And that's all good. Let, let's be good stewards of the body that God gave us. But let's put just as much effort and energy into our eternal existence as we do our physical existence. Because in light of eternity, this physical life is but a vapor. In, in another recording of, in the Gospels, I believe it's in the book of John, Jesus tells his disciples, listen, you know, he had sent them out and they were doing miracles they were experiencing things that they'd never done before. They were laying hands on the sick and people were being healed and they were like, man, Jesus, look at what happened. This is awesome. And what does he tell them? He's like, listen, don't rejoice that, that all these things are happening. Don't rejoice that the sick are being healed or that demons are submitting to your name. Rejoice instead that your names are written in heaven. That is the greatest miracle of all. So yes, we celebrate, we rejoice when God does miracles, but we rejoice even more over the greatest miracle that he's given us, and that is that our names are registered in heaven, that we will be in eternity with him. Amen? God still heals people, but he's more concerned about our soul. And the third observation today is the one that I really want to focus on. And that is that God wants me to grow in faith. When we read that passage of scripture in James, it talks about the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. And in order for us to understand healing, we really have to understand faith. Hebrews 11, chapter 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Let me ask you guys a question. When do you seek God the most? When everything is going great, when all your prayers are answered and everyone is well, or when you're sick and struggling, or a family member's sick, or somebody's broke, or somebody's struggling with addiction, when do you seek God the most? Obviously, right? When there's problems. We go to him and we seek after him. It says without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. God likes it when we have to put our trust in him. God likes it when, when, we, when we seek him with our problems. When, when, we, when we're seeking after who he is, it creates this intimacy with him. 
I'm going to make this personal for you. I've been praying for almost nine years. A prayer. Now, in my life and in my ministry, I have seen God heal people. I've seen cancer just fall away off of a lady's face. I've seen the reports where people say, I don't know how it happened, but I was sick and now I'm well. And I've rejoiced with those people. But every day, including this morning for the past eight and a half years, I have woke up and I said, God, please heal my son, Tucker. Please heal his vocal cords. Please let him speak. Even if it's just one word, God, just let him speak. And if it's not too much trouble, can you let that one word be mama? Please. <laughs> For nine years, I've prayed that prayer. Now, I got to say, has God healed Tucker? He has done miraculous things in his life. He has. But is that healing complete? No. But let me tell you, there has been a growth inside of me during those nine years. I have learned what it means to really trust God. I've learned, I've grown in compassion toward other people who are struggling. I've become more aware of parents and families who are going through, through uh, sickness with their children. There's a, there's a process happening inside of me. It, that process is happening inside of my family. My 11-year-old daughter, when her brother's sick and she lays hands on him and says, in the name of Jesus, please make my son well, make my brother well. It, it makes us grow. There's a process. See, we, when we think about healing, we're only thinking about the results because we as humans, we are results-focused, right? We want a formula. If I do this, God will do this 100% of the time. Well, if God did everything we asked him to right away at the drop of the hat, would we ever even talk to him? Would we ever draw close to him? Would we ever experience that intimacy with him? Would our faith ever increase? No. That's why it's called faith. If everything was going well, we wouldn't need the faith. A faith that is never tested is a faith that can't be trusted. I'm going to say that again. A faith that is never tested is a faith that can't be trusted. And God wants you to grow in your faith. We are results focused. God is process focused. So in order to understand faith... If we keep looking in this, in this passage in James, the very next verse, uh, James, he sums up a story that's in the Old Testament. James 5, 17 and 18, it says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Now he summarized that story in two quick phrases. But why would he include that right after this passage that he just shared about healing? 
Well, in order to really understand why he did that, we need to look at the original story in the Old Testament. So it's in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. It says, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, who was the evil king there, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. See, James brought this story up because if we go back and dig deep into the story, we learn that faith begins with a word from God. Faith begins with a word from God. I have a word from God over my son, Tucker. I believe that one day he will speak, that he will communicate the message of hope and grace and joy and peace to thousands of people. I'm believing it. When I dream at night, I can hear his voice. You know, I have this word and I believe it and I'm looking forward to the day that I can share with you his story or better yet, that he is standing before you, preaching before you one day. I believe that. But where does that word come from? How do you get a word from God? Well, Romans tells us. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Your faith is growing and is becoming activated even as you're listening to God's word being spoken this morning. And it also is activated and grows in you when you are at your home reading your Bible. You're not just reading a 10-minute devotional to mark it off your list and say, whew, I read three chapters today. Personal best. No, you are reading God's Word that is alive and active and working in you in order to activate your faith. Amen? That way, when you pray for healing, when you say, God, heal my son, Tucker, and then you go home and you're like, man, I know today's going to be the day. You open the door and you're like, come on, Tucker, say mama. God healed you. I know it. And he just looks at you and smiles. And you're feeling discouraged, but then you open God's word and you read, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or imagine, to him be the glory forever and ever. That is when your faith begins to grow. Faith begins with that word from God. Let's continue into the story of Elijah, 1 Kings 18. Elijah had prayed And it had not rained for three and a half years. But he had already told King Ahab that when Elijah said it was going to rain, it was going to rain. And the problem was three and a half years had come and gone and there was not a cloud in the sky. So Elijah's going, okay, I'm not even going to look. I'm I'm just going to send my servant. Go and look. See if you see anything. Go toward the sea. And when he went up and he looked and he said, there's nothing there. And seven times Elijah said to him, go back. There's somebody here this morning that needs to get those two words in your heart. Go back. Maybe it hasn't happened yet. But go back. Say it with me. Go back. back. 
go back. Every day for nine years I've prayed, and I haven't heard my son speak a word yet. But tomorrow morning, when I rise, I will go back. And without complaint, without excuse, without bartering, I'll say, God, I trust you. I believe in you. I have faith in you. Please heal my son, Tucker, and let him speak. And then I'm going to trust him for the process. Some of us need to go back. Number two, that's what this, this verse teaches us about faith. It begins with a word from God, but it also continues regardless of what I see. Faith continues regardless of what I see. Second Corinthians tells us, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. Go back. Your situation, your reality, we're not saying deny reality and say, oh, everything's fine. I just trust God, but I'm going to ignore my situation. No. Go back. Go back. Focus your eyes on him, and let's trust God. Number three, I think another reason why James included this story in this passage of Scripture to teach us some more about faith is that it shows us that faith goes from a small beginning to a grand finale every single time. Faith goes from a small beginning to a grand finale. Let me show it to you in that story. As we continue the story, it says, Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. And the power of the Lord came on Elijah. And tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Now, sometimes when we read that, we overlook the miraculous in just that passage. We're focused on the miraculous was God said what he was going to do. Like God did what he said he was going to. And he made it rain after three and a half years. But then we overlook that God went above and beyond. There's the king is on a chariot with horses riding just as fast as he can. And a man tucks his shirt into his pants and runs and outruns the chariot. See, God didn't just do the miracle that he said he was going to do. He went beyond. And that's what happens every time. Sometimes our problem is we don't like the small beginnings. We just want to get to the result. We want to get to the outcome. We want to say, God, you know, listen, I've prayed, I've prayed, I've prayed. When am I actually going to get what I prayed for? In Zechariah, it tells us, do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. I love that verse. 
Don't despise these small beginnings, these moments where you're saying, God, please heal my son. These moments of intimacy, God, please heal my mom. Please heal my sister. Please heal my father. Do a work in my body, God. We despise the small beginnings because we want to get to the end. But this verse tells us the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. We serve a God of beginnings, church. We serve a God of the beginnings. We see that even, even the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, three times he begged the Lord to take away this thorn in his flesh, the thorn in his side. We don't really know what it is. But three times he asked the Lord to take it from him. And each time God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is all you need because my power works best in weakness. So what did Paul say? So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. I don't know how many of you guys are um, right now in, in August when people are taking vacations. Maybe some of you people are destination people. I'm one of those. Let me explain. I book a trip. I'm going to Disneyland, Paris. We drive there. I don't care if it's the world's best whatever is on the way there. I'm going to Disney. I'm going to the destination, right? So I, I don't want to stop. I don't want to eat. I don't want to sightsee. I don't want to look. I'm going there. My eyes are focused on the destination. And normally, destination people marry a journey person. I know I did. Pastor Josh is a journey person. He's like, hey, there's this beautiful castle. There's this historical fortress on the way there. There's this cathedral that we could stop in and look at. And that's a beautiful representation sometimes of how we are with God. We're like, God, I want the healing. I want the outcome. I don't care about the process in the middle. I just want to get here. I just want to hear the words, God. That's all I want. <laughs> just to hear him say the words. And God's saying, no, it's about the journey. It's about the journey of faith that's happening inside of you. God is all about the journey. And he wants to do something in you in the process of that healing that you're ready for. The process is the point. The process is the point. Today, I hope that you have gotten a greater understanding of what God wants to do in us when we trust Him, when we put our faith in Him, when we let Him work in us, even when it doesn't seem like He's working. And maybe you're here today. Maybe you're, you're joining us online. We're so glad you're here. Maybe you're like, you know what? There needs to be that internal healing happen within me. 
because I don't even have a relationship with God. And I want you to know that he loves you so much that he gave his son to die for you and he wants to have a relationship with you. And if you want to to have a fresh start with God, if you want to accept him as your savior, you can do that today. You can pray with me as we pray in a moment. You don't have to say the exact words that I say. But if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, who his word tells us that he is, that only through him can you be made whole, can you be restored to a relationship with God the Father. And if you give him your life, ask him to forgive you and commit your life to following him for the rest of your days, then we celebrate with you today. If you want to make that decision, we would love to celebrate and to facilitate this life-changing moment for you. Maybe you're here today or you're online and you need prayer for a healing. It can be for yourself or a family member. We would love to pray with you today. Maybe, maybe it's, a, it's a new thing. Maybe it's a seasonal thing. You know, someone just got sick. Or maybe you've been praying for this miracle for years. I want to challenge you today. It's not a formula. Faith is not just an instantaneous, I believe. God wants to take you on a journey of faith. And he wants you to grow. And he wants you to trust him. And one day when we're all in eternity and we're with him, we get, we get there and we're like, ah, God, now I understand why you did it this way. Now I understand, God, you were right all along. We're going to say that. Let's trust him today for the healing that we need. I'm going to pray with you guys online. If you say this prayer to start a relationship with Jesus, please let us know. You can, you can put it in the comments or you can send us an email. But please let us know so that we can celebrate with you and we can help you take your next steps. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are a God of miracles. And we thank you that you still do miracles. And God, we trust you even when those miracles don't happen the way we thought or the way we planned. God, we put our hope and our trust in you and you alone. God, the greatest miracle of all is that our names are registered in heaven, that we've been forgiven, and that we have the hope of spending eternity with you. Today, if there's anyone joining us online that does not have that hope, that has never experienced that relationship with you, I pray, God, that they would open their mouths wherever they are and declare you as their Savior and as their Lord. If that's you, pray with me. Say, Lord, I believe that you love me and that you sent your son Jesus to die for me. Please forgive me of my sin. Make me a new person. Transform me from the inside out. 
I, I give my life to you, everything about my life I give to you so I can live for you and with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.